0: So we're going to walk through Holy Week. And depending on time, we might be running through Holy Week. So we're going to start, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, if anything, if I'm running, there's something chasing me, I'll just go ahead and start shooting, because it's not going to be good. There's something really bad behind me. Um, So our first day is Palm Sunday. And if you've heard the story, Jesus is ushered in on a colt that was tied and untamed and do not know any training whatsoever. And the people were shouting, Hosanna, that save us, save us. Now this cult carried Jesus in. And even though the cult was untamed and unridden, in that moment with Jesus, it was peace. It was quiet, it was tranquil. You see, just like that cult, I believe that we get tied to our sin. I don't know if you've seen the picture on Facebook. There's this picture of a horse and it has a lead and the lead is basically tied to something that's probably like this piece of paper. But if there's any resistance, the horse won't go. Sin is so small, but it holds us still and it holds us captive. Jesus chose the cult. He chose every single one of us for a specific journey. He spoke promises over each one of us in our mother's womb. And no matter how far off the trail the enemy takes us, those promises still are true. Because God's word is never a lie. And just like the cult, we carry Jesus in our hearts. And we share him with others. Sometimes it's with a smile. Sometimes it's with laughter. Sometimes it's just our presence. Because our presence is the greatest gift we can give somebody. So we find ourselves at Monday i love monday this is when jesus goes in and starts flipping the tables y'all the very first message i ever preached there was a pastor that went out of town he said hey will you preach i'm like yeah okay and i looked at the lectionary and it was this scripture so i'm thinking like i'm just gonna be shannon They'll either like me or I'll never be in a church again. That's kind of, okay, so we'll do this. So I get up there and I start telling the scripture. What they didn't know is I'd gone to Walmart and got some fake leather and I had it folded up in my pocket. And I was like, I grew up on a farm. I know what it's like. You just grab a rope and you just put it around an animal and kind of lead it. I said, so I think of Jesus walking through the temple and seeing all this that is just an abomination. And I think of him just grabbing one of those leads and pulling it off of an animal. And about that time, I reached in my pocket, and I said, all right, you know how the scripture goes. We've got to flip tables. We've got to start whipping people out of here. Who's first? And they died laughing. One guy got up and left. He said, I lost my bladder. I was not expecting this. I said, well, I guess I can go ahead and call the preacher now and apologize. Believe it or not, I was the one they requested to come back because they never knew what was going to come out of my mouth, and I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But the fact of Monday is Jesus was angry and his anger was justified. There are times in our life when our anger is justified. There's times in our lives when we can, not always physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, flip tables. And what that means is when Jesus comes into our life and he flips our table, he flips us upside down. And when he does that, he gives us a new perspective. He gives us new eyes. And even though our anger is justified, we have to be very careful. If we hold on to it, we become a tool of the enemy. We can either hold on to it and lash out at somebody, and we can hold them hostage with our anger, or the flip side, we can play the victim for the rest of our lives. We have to be very careful that we do not become a tool of the enemy. Jesus cleanses our temples when he heals our soul and that's Monday so on Tuesday Judas is bribed he sells his own soul for a few pieces of silver now you may not have sold your soul for a few pieces of silver but how many can think back when you said I would never do and fill in the blank and you ended up doing it I've had moments where I was like what was I doing How did I let that get that far out of control? Well, go back to Monday. I stepped into anger that wasn't justified, and it grabbed a hold of me. But Judas made a deal with the devil. And let me tell you, no matter what happens with the devil, it always comes to the surface. He will wrap it up in a nice pretty bow and have all these demons inside the package, and it'll be glittering, and it'll catch our eye, and he'll hand it to us, and we'll accept it. And the minute we accept it, we're in trouble because it's got us, and we can't break free easily. So let me just go ahead and give you a Shanism here. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's because the sewage is leaking. So if you literally want to jump on the other side of the fence, you're going to be in a whole lot of mess. So this brings us to the next day, the Last Supper. Judas kisses Jesus. Peter denies Jesus. Let's be honest. We've all been hurt. We've all been rejected. We've all had somebody witness it and not defend us. I want to tell you it's how you get back up afterward. Because there are people that don't know Jesus. And when they see how you get up, we'll make them decide whether they want some of that Jesus or not. Now, my... Uh, bc days my before christ days i'll be honest i came up swinging my daddy raised two girls to, that could hold your own fix a car shoot a gun live far enough in the country that you did not want to come out of the dark unless you called and told us and i would come up swinging and dare anybody to say anything to me but when we walk with jesus no matter what the enemy throws at us no matter how many scars he gives us Those scars are chapters of our testimony, and somebody needs to hear our testimony. So the next day is the crucifixion. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A little bit of a history lesson here. So it's Jewish tradition for a rabbi to read from the Psalms before the Passover sacrifice. Passover is just deep within, within the Jewish religion. It is the ultimate cornerstone that freed them from slavery. It's that remembrance. Psalms is their heart pouring out when they really don't know what to say, but they're just crying out. I don't know about you, but I've had times like that. I've had times where I'm like, I don't have the words, God, but you know my emotion. You see my heart's broke. And all I can do is cry. But if you look at Psalms 22, it's the ultimate rabbi on the cross giving a psalms prayer over the ultimate sacrifice. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus wasn't pleading or doubting God. He was following tradition, and by doing that, He spoke volumes to all the Jewish people around them. That's why they're like, wow, he knew tradition. He wasn't just somebody. He was the one. And then it brings us up to Saturday. Saturday is silence. It's a deep reflection. It's a time of grief, mourning, anger. But God's not finished God hadn't counted you out yet. If the enemy tries to put a period at the end of your sentence, only God can put a period at the end of your sentence. And when he does that, he takes us into a new chapter. And We can't get to Sunday, to the resurrection, without going through the cross on Friday. Jesus lives, and death lost forever. So no matter where you're at in your life, remember this, number one, People will cheer you until you stand up for a change. Number two, you'll get new sight and be- become angry about the things you now see morally wrong. But don't let it consume you. Number three, people will bribe you and test you, but only God holds your riches. Number four, you will be rejected. Number five, you will be discarded. Number six, you will feel alone in the silence of Saturday. But number seven, God's not done with you yet. Until he calls you home and makes you perfect, God's not done with you yet. He will take you through a process, and I'm going to tell you how my process has been. First, it's a pruning process. He has to cut things out of my life and off of my life. And then there's a stretching process. I will go through the worst fires in the world, and I feel like I just can't take another step. But when I open my eyes, God's in that fire with me, and he's saying, walk, walk to me. He'll come get me, but he gave us a will to walk. And when we walk, we walk away from the enemy. The next one is the growth process. This is a prime example of the growth process. Every time I go through a process, God brings new people into my life to speak into my life from a perspective I don't have. They can teach me through new eyes about a journey I haven't walked. And that's how the kingdom is gonna be networked together. It's not just my eyes, it's our eyes. And with everybody sitting here that comes on a regular basis, when that new person walks in the door I'm not walking into my CR. They're walking into our family, our support system. And so all of us get the honor and privilege to walk with them and help them go through the fire. So this process will repeat over and over and over. And it will keep going on until you're ready to move to a new level. And that's only in God's timing. But remember, with new levels brings new Devils. It's not really a new devil. He just throws more at you, and he'll throw it at you until you stumble. But you got to keep going through the process. He attacks harder in the valleys, but on the mountaintops, that's our time to sit in the presence of God before going back into the war. That's our time to sit in the presence with the ultimate commander of this army as he repairs our armor and gives us a new plan for the next leg of this battle. But the battle's already won. It was won when Jesus rose from the grave. God will repair your armor as many times as you will sit with him. So I want you to hear this and think about it. The greatest man in history was named Jesus. Had no servants, but he was called master. Had no education, but he was called teacher. Had no medicine, but he was called healer. Had no army, but kings feared him. Won no earthly battle, but yet conquered the world. Committed no crime, but yet crucified a criminal's death. Buried in a tomb and lives today. You know what hits me the most is it said he won no earthly battle, but he conquered the earth, conquered the world. When somebody tells you you're not good enough, I want you to look at them and say, Let me tell you something. My Jesus changed the world with 12 redeemed thugs. I'm proud that my past life was kind of not so good because I'm changed now. And if God can change me, he can change anybody. So my question, before we go into the altar call, who is your Jesus in this story? Where are you in the week of Holy Week? This is the hardest week for me. Because I really take time each day to self-reflect about what Jesus went through when I didn't deserve it. It's the greatest week because every single day is another day closer to victory that the enemy lost. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I have heard people say this week is the Super Bowl of faith. But God, I think every day is the Super Bowl, because you've won the battle every single day. No matter what the enemy throws at us, I'm confident that your angels are warring for us, around us, with us. And God, when we call on your name, you're right there. You never leave us. You go before us, and you will never send us a place that you've not already been. God, for anybody that's in the middle of the battle and feels like it's, is taking them over. God, I pray that an angel comes and stands on the right, left, front, and back and just surrounds them. God, if there's anything we can do to stand and hold each other up, stand in the gap of this spiritual battle, God, just show us. My God, my God, I know I could never drink from your cup, but your son drank from it for me and paid all of our sin debts so that we can have eternity with you. God, we ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son, Jesus. Amen.